Good morning, everyone. My name is Pedro. Um, I'm Portuguese. Bom dia. I heard a bom dia somewhere. Uh, it's nice to meet you. Nice to see you all again. For those who uh, I haven't met, um, but I see some new faces. It's great to see every week new faces, people with a desire to be here in Riverside, whether they are here just for a few weeks or for a few months, or if they're planning to stay here in Portugal. We truly want this to be uh, a home. You find this place a home, a community where you meet new brothers and sisters and establish um, significant connections. So welcome, everyone. Um, I have a theory, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but my theory comes because that's what I have constantly on my, on my, on my feed, on, on my YouTube. And I think that the new viral videos around there are those videos of um, people who receive special glasses and then suddenly they can see better. People that are colorblind for years and years and suddenly they receive special glasses and now they can see again and they can see better. And I didn't brought any, any video here, otherwise we would probably all start crying here and it will be just very messy in the beginning. Um, by the way, if you want to see Gabby crying, there's a pretty cool video of a guy, I think on his 60s or something. It was his, his birthday and the family surprised him with the glasses and he could see colors again. I think Gabby, every time she sees that video, she cries. Probably now she's crying already. Huh? She's crying already. Okay. Just thinking about it, right? But those videos are pretty special, right? I mean, it keeps YouTube coming. I think they are better than the cute kitten videos that we've all get used to it. I mean, for me, cats are only cute when they are small. After that, they become evil creatures from the deep. Uh, maybe I've done some enemies, but I think I'm the majority here, right? But those videos are special because surely what, oh, what a transformation. It's a whole new reality for those who are not able to see well, and now they see better. They see different. They see colors again. There's a whole reality out there. And I think the same applies to spiritual realities and for the need that each one of us have to not lose sight, to have the right lenses, to have the right filters, to have the right things so that we can see better. And that's why the message, uh, the title of the message I wanted to bring you today is all about this idea and the reality of spiritual sight. Um, and the message is entitled, Look Up, Look Out, and look ahead. And I, I, uh, the, the, the scripture that uh, I, will, um, I will work on with you this morning is uh, we found in the second Timothy, the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. Now that's, that's, um, that's the last uh, written uh, things we have from Paul that reached our hands. We don't know if it was the last letter he wrote, but at least it's the last letter we have in our hands. But what we know is that Paul was reaching the end of his life. He was in prison in, in Rome. And he writes this letter to Timothy, who was a dear friend of him, a companion of his travels for many years, and he was his disciple. So... Timothy, by, the, by that time, he was leading a church in Ephesus. It was a major city. And Paul was encouraging him and offering him strength to carry on the ministry after Paul's impending death. So I'm sure Paul, with this letter, wanted to give 
one last word of advice to his protege, you know, wanted him to have the right glasses, the right focus for the years that were coming ahead. And so when we, uh, when we read that last letter of Paul, and when we read the last chapter of the letter, we, found, we find the last words of advice that Paul has to share. So something sparkled, um, something sparkled my curiosity, and I thought, if it was probably my last time I could communicate with a dear friend or a dear family, or, and if I had limited space to do so, which advices would I have to pass on? What would be my last advices? So in the same way, um, what, would, what, what are Paul's last advices, at least the written ones, to his, um, as he called, dear beloved son, Timothy? And for me, that was interesting to, 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 to dive in and to, to see, okay, what Paul is presenting there is what he found really necessary for Timothy to have the right lenses. So let's read 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verses 1 to 8, I'm reading in the NLT version. This is what Paul wrote. So I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is convenient or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever the itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase, and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crowd of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I think these last advices are quite rich. And even though Paul is writing specifically to a young leader um, of a growing church in a major city of Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, I think that definitely... These advices are applied in our lives as well. So again, I will break this passage into three main um, look uh, themes. And this passage will encourage us and will yeah, challenge us to keep our eyes open to seek God. To keep our eyes open to understand our surroundings. And to keep our eyes open to look ahead with hope for the future. And so the first part, the first two couple of verses, Paul tells us to look up. 
So I'll read again, verse 1 and 2. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will someday judge the living and the death, when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is convenient or not. Timothy, look up. You are always in the presence of this God who will someday judge the living and the death, will judge everyone. You are always in the presence of this God who will one day establish his kingdom forever. This shouldn't be reasons for you to be afraid, but this should be reasons for you to enhance your faith. Because I'm telling you, Timothy, and I'm telling you, church, that this God is sovereign, and this God one day will be victorious. The kingdom is His, and the kingdom will be His forever. This is the God I'm telling you to look up. In other words, to keep connected with God. Well, if you or if any of us stay, stand far away from this great and terrible God, I think one thing we'll have is fear. If we have a hint of an idea of who he is, but when we hear about this God, but if we are far away, disconnected, either will bring us a lot of fear because we'll have some misconceptions about God, or maybe the opposite, some sort of foolish contempt where we don't want to have anything to do with God to protect ourselves from being fearful. But if we apply ourselves to be closer to Him, you and us, we will see Him for who He truly is. And I think that fear turns into holy reverence. The fear turns into a sense of belonging. And we will actually understand and we will want to be under the safety and the warmth of his protective arms. So Paul is telling Timothy and reminding us that if we remain vertically connected with the Almighty, that sense of belonging and what we've, the connection with God and what we'll learn from it, what we'll keep discovering from God, then what does he say um, that will happen naturally? We will be... Um, will be drawn to preach his words, to preach about God. And this word preach is a very interesting word that, God, that Paul chose here. Because from all the words that could be chosen to, to say the word preach, translated into our modern English, preach, this is not the preach, the kind of teach from a pulpit like I'm doing here, which some of us might think is just a mission for someone or a gift that someone have. But the word he used was the Greek word caruso, which means to proclaim publicly. To proclaim publicly like an herald. An herald was someone, and I have a funny picture there. An herald was someone with an official title, someone that would be sent by the king or in the, the Roman context by Caesar himself, and he would bring an imperial messenger, and this herald would go to the streets and would make loud proclamation with the authority. 
The herald would announce if the emperor was coming to that region, for example, and people to prepare what needed to be prepared. The herald would come to announce special events, uh, new policies and laws. So when this herald spoke, he, sp he was speaking with the authority of the king. If you were to speak and misrepresent the king, that would be a grave offense. Or to ignore the herald or the preacher was to ignore the king. So do you see what Paul is telling there, Timothy? He's giving him this, uh, he's giving this image of preach publicly share like an adult, go with the authority of the king. And interestingly enough, especially in these early beginnings of the church, the most common way for people to share the, the, the news of Jesus and their beliefs were not exactly the, the public, large-speaking, Billy Graham-type uh, full stadiums, were the one-on-ones. People were scared to be on the streets publicly sharing, afraid of what could happen to them, just... Read what happened to Paul and his companions to the many times they would publicly speaking. So Paul is telling to Timothy, whether you have opportunities to speak publicly, whether you speak one-on-one, -on -one, but speak like an adult. Bring the authority of the king you are connected with. So if you look up, if you are connected to God, speak with that authority that you have. And preach the word. What word? Just a couple of verses before uh, in Timothy chapter 3, you can put, Paul just had said to, um, to Timothy, you can put the next slide, please. There you go. Just before, in the chapter before, Paul had told Timothy, look, remember what you have learned from childhood. You have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture that you've learned, it is inspired by God and it's beneficial for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good word. Timothy, you've, you've learned this scripture since young age. Now apply yourself to stay connected with God and preach what you've learned. Dear church, we are challenged as well. We are advised as well to be heralds wherever we are. Not to preach our own opinions, our culture, our political views or our feelings, but to preach His word, to preach God's words. Because that's the only word that sets people free, that truly brings the salvation is God's word. And so he says, and be prepared. Whether the time is convenient or not, whether you are in and out of season, whether the time is favorable or not, in different versions. But basically, if you are connected with the Almighty, Timothy, dear church, I'm sure you will always have something to share with someone. When you're reading your Bible daily, when you regularly do your devotionals or regularly hear some sermon or some topic podcast, when you regularly 
hear and worship songs and you pay attention to the lyrics, you will naturally have interesting thoughts running uh, in your head. And you'll soon find opportunities to share uh, exactly what you've been thinking about with someone. So I don't know if it happened to you, but things like you, you speaking with someone and then I was just reading something like that the other day that I want to tell you about it. Oh, there was this book I was reading about. Let me share this word with you. I have these words to share with you right now. It just comes naturally because our mind is being nurtured with, 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 with the things of God because we are connected with Him. The opposite is also true. And I've felt that many times. The feeling of emptiness of ideas when God is not present and regular in my life. No concrete recent thoughts worth of sharing. The repetition of the same good ideas of old or no new exciting revelation coming from God. Basically nothing relevant to share and some sense of stagnation. Because I have not been as connected looking up to God as I should. So that's the first advice. Look up. Stay connected with God. Then Paul continues and says, Timothy, look out. Verses 3 to 5. You have the, the, the next slide there. Timothy, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. You're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food. Now I'm using the different um, version, the message version. People will be interested with catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord and work in telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. So Timothy has a servant of God that is connected with the word, that has fresh, relevant ideas. Be ready to share at any moment. And this is what I want you to keep doing. Use them to correct, use them to rebuke, use them to encourage people. Challenge, warn and urge the people. Do not quick and be patient because it can take its time. Some people can be stubborn to change or they might not even hear what you have to say even though you're bringing all that authority. Some people might be proud and reject your teaching because, maybe not because of what you're saying, but maybe because who are you, a young man? Who are you, a man that has no idea of what I'm going through? Who are you, less experienced person? But Timothy, keep that good teaching alive. Teach what is good. Teach that sound doctrine of Jesus that you were told from young age. For me, it's funny how just 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, when the church is growing and emerging in many places, but there is already this kind of falling away, this kind of disintegration, 
that Paul is warning Timothy that is happening and expected to happen. 30 years just after Jesus' resurrection, when many who saw Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who saw the resurrected Christ were still alive. Many new people uh, that brought, they were brought to faith and con were connected with them. But just 30 years after that major event that changed history, the church was already facing these challenges. He didn't took long for people to start going away from the truth, from that sound doctrine. Paul uses, Paul does not use easy expressions here. Paul says, be aware of those who will, um, who just want to hear the catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. In other words, in the other translation I read, they just want to uh, hear whatever the itching ears want to hear. And the problem are those itching ears and those that will come to bring what they want to hear. A massage rather than messages. Sermons that charm rather than challenge or entertaining rather than edifying them. Paul is concerned there that the church would one day contain more and more in people who only open their ears to those who would scratch their itch. Paul was concerned that more and more people were turning from solid, healthy food to junk food. Well, junk, fast food is um, usually more tasty, more appealing, and more desirable than solid, healthy food. I'm, <laughs> I'm to blame. How many times have I said, or have probably you've heard or told one another, why is that the tastiest food is always the worst food for us. Why is it the junk food, the tastiest food? And I've heard good, proper, concerned, healthy people saying to me, Oh, Pedro, if you only knew how tasty food can be with just this couple set of vegetables. But Pedro, it takes time to prepare. It takes more effort to do so. It takes more effort to get it done properly. And I think it's the same with the spiritual truth. Even though I'm not advocating to take the meat out of the spiritual truth, but good, solid teaching, it takes time to understand. It needs proper meditation, proper time to think and rethink, read and read again. Solid teaching has to challenge and has to bring us even more questions. It cannot just be superficial and easy to please. That's what junk food does. But junk food also quickly empties our stomach. And so we'll need it again and again and again. And when we are finally satisfied, probably our sugar and salt levels in our blood are at an alarming rate and we're a week, some weeks closer to death. But let me give you some examples of what I perceive of what I read or what sometimes I, I see around that can be some junk spiritual condition we might hear or we might live in our days. And Paul wasn't easy with his words, so I also want to be easy with his words. But my fear is that we have such a tendency to worship God or to make a God according to our own image, 
rather than we pursuing to be more like his image. This hyper-grace gospel that says that God loves us no matter what we do and brings no fear of consequences of sins whatsoever. Let's just do what we please because God will always forgive. This I church mentality, I, 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 permeated in everything. It's just about me. Self-centeredness, diluted message that is centered on ourselves and in our immediate needs. It's all about me and the needs that I bring. A consumerism gospel that we ought to fill ourselves with every Sunday just to recharge and feel good for the week ahead. And many times we come to church the same way we go to a shopping mall. And the good things we want to pick up, we'll grab it. And the things we don't want, we just won't take it home. Sometimes the underlying culture in our speech, in our church speech, that somehow we always have to be sad. Our week had to be terrible. The previous months had to be bad. It's almost like we've come already, it's almost like we come defeated, but like we come defeated constantly in some sort of suffering so that we can come to God and He will solve it right there. Solve it there, right away. And if if the service was emotional enough, then we can leave this place happy chatty again. But sometimes this kind of feeling like we need to bring a defeated uh, lifestyle or defeated thoughts so that God will solve, uh, solve it there. And I imagine God telling us, you are my child and you know that you are my child. Where is that joy that should be the foundation of your life? Sometimes we want God to be like a cash machine where we click, we ask, and we have immediate answers and usually our requests are just to get free of any sufferings free of any trial and the gospel is dangerously watered down and regarded as successful if it brings the immediate results the immediate solution the microwave culture of quick fix of putting in something and expect results a few minutes later no patience to wait (laughs) no patience to understand no patience to endure no patience to trust God who will take his time like junk food many of these things I've just mentioned many of this Christian culture that might permeate our houses or not but many of these things they will only satisfy us for a moment. But very soon we'll be hungry again. Like a seed that fell on rocky soil, a message that is immediately received with joy, but since there are no deep roots, it doesn't last long, and soon the hearers fall away as soon as they have problems. Are these words of Jesus familiar? So Timothy, my son, patiently correct rebuke and encourage people with the good teaching keep the good teaching solid teaching out there keep shouting it whether people like it or not and do not bend the gospel to others dl moody put it um, in a nice way 
The best way to show that a stick is crooked is not to argue, to argue about it or to spend time denouncing it, but to lay a straight stick alongside it. Dear church, let us keep showing the standards of God. Let us keep living in those standards. And yes, the good teaching is still God is love. Grace is abundant. Pardon is available. And God deeply cares for each one of us. But good teaching is also that sin has consequences. And future judgment is a reality for people who don't believe. Good teaching, yes, it is still about the presence of His Spirit in our lives and the wonderful things and the miracles that can happen. The good teaching, yes, it is still about going through trials and going to sufferings with perseverance. But all the teaching has to be sourced directly from the Scriptures. A unified storyline that leads to salvation in Jesus Christ alone. It is Jesus-centered. Dear Timothy, dear church, look out. Look to your surroundings and do not bend the truth. The last advice that Paul gives, we found in the last two verses. Dear church, keep looking ahead. There are wonderful promises of God. Keep your eyes on those promises. Paul is in prison again for the second time he's in Rome and this time the trial is not going well and he knows it and he knows that probably he will be executed for his faith. So he concludes this letter and he reflects on his journey with one of the most profound and beautiful statements of faith for me. So he says on chapter six, on oh, verse six, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering for God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, that crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, he will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I just want to conclude. And I want to say that I wish that truly one day I can say the same thing about my journey here on earth. I hope that one day I've, I, I've been, I'm able to also have said, I've run this race hard and I reached the finish line and I believed all the way. I wish one day I'm able to stand and say, now I'm going to meet my creator face to face and then I will see everything clearly and I'll, then I'll understand all the mysteries and then my joy will be full. He will reward me he will reward each one of us because I done a good job and I did not bend his gospel. He will reward me because I eagerly waited for him all my life. I hope 
one day I'm able to say these words and all of us are able to join in these words and to join Paul and says, we've run the race, we've got to the finish line and we believed all the way. And now the promises, the prize awaits for us. So dear Timothy, this race of life, these years to follow will be hard, but it will be so worth finishing it. The prize is eternal and there is bottomless joy awaiting. Keep following Jesus no matter the sacrifice. Keep following Jesus no matter the risk. So dear church, may we maintain faith. May we maintain hope in Jesus' resurrection. And may we keep teaching others the good news about Jesus. While following Jesus... You and all believers will surely expect challenges, suffering, risk, tension, discomforts and struggles. But these struggles are not a sign of Jesus' absence in your life. On the contrary, in those, those, in those dark and difficult moments, Jesus' presence can be or can become more tangible and real. So we, may we run that race because it's worth to cross the finishing line and what's awaiting for us. So let me pray for all of us and the team could, could come already. Dear Father, we want to keep our eyes open and so open. We want to look up to you every day. We want to stay connected with you and enjoy the relationship with you, Father. We want to look out to our surroundings and understand what surrounds us and understands the dangers and the challenge and not be moved away like waves that come and go. But we want to remain steady. And Father, we want to look ahead to the future promises, to your kingdom who will be established. Keep our eyes open. Keep our heart ready. Keep our mind fresh to always, always learn and always be ready to share and to bless others. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.